All right, now it's time to see how we did. All right, um, I quite like quizzes, and I hope you do too. And we've got some picture quizzes today and some word puzzles to do. So I'm going to show you a picture of the um, major sermon series we did in the first third of the year. And some of you have got handouts. Those who've got handouts, if you want to put your hand up if you know, that's fine. If, if not, don't worry, I'm sure somebody will tell us. We had a major series in this book. It's, uh, it's Judges. How do we know it's Judges? It's got a wig on. I think they're trying to abandon that as a practice, but I think they still wear wigs. So it's Judges. And there's, there's another thing in the picture that helps us understand what the book of Judges is about. Well, what is the judge on? A motorbike. a motorbike, or another word for motorbike? Cycle. The book of Judges is not about motorcycles, but it's about cycles in terms of Israel's relationship with God. They go through a, a number of cycles. I'm hoping the laser works, excellent. See the number there? Seven cycles in the book. The people of Israel, in their relationship with God, go through seven cycles. They start being disobedient to God. God then sends some form of oppression. They cry out for help. They cry out in distress. God gives them a deliverer. There's then silence, and they repeat the process again six times after the first. So the book of Judges is about relationship or lack of relationship with God and how that relationship is restored and broken. God, throughout the book, is faithful to his people. His people, however, are not faithful, but by his grace, he sends deliverers who are often referred to as judges. Now, this is the, um, the poster that was um, used for the series, and it says there was no king. It's a very, very challenging book, the book of Judges. Um, the Israelites reject God as their king. They want to do it their own way. And the very end of the book of Judges, um, the verse at the end says, um, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So what can we take from this book? What should we have taken? So many things to take from it, but uh, when I was preparing this, things that came back to my mind were um, the following things. Firstly, um, the, the judges are deliverers, but they're not perfect. One of the things I remember as a child was these stories being told to me, and it always seemed that they were heroes. And they were heroes, but if you read the book properly and fully, you'll see that these heroes were imperfect. They either started well and ended badly, or started badly and ended well. There was imperfection in them. The book of Judges points towards the need for a perfect deliverer. These deliverers were temporary, they needed new deliverers, and it was looking forward to the perfect deliverer that God would one day send. And the hero of the book is God, not the judges. God is the hero, he is there, he is faithful, he intervenes, he sends deliverers. So that was the first major book we looked at in the new year. We also looked at other things, and I, I thought we'd do a missing vows session, okay? There was a series of sermons, um, we'll just do a practice one, always a good thing to show an example. Well, who's that? Jesus. Always say Jesus, it's safer. 
Okay, we did a series on blessed or happy is the person from the Gospel of Matthew. And here are the blessed person descriptions. Okay, I need them all. So work on them. You can work, some of you have got sheets. You can work in teams. Tell me when you've got them all. Anyone got them all? Okay, I think Pat's got it. <laughs> so it's pure in spirit and mourning. Pure, sorry, pure, pure. Pure's coming later. Pure in spirit and mourning. Meek, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. There's some more. It was, quite, it was a mini-series, but there were a few more. Um, I can hear you've got it. Merciful, pure in heart, and peacemaker. These are all things that, if you are these things as a Christian, hopefully these give you blessedness or happiness. So that was, um, that was another shorter series we did in the earlier part of the year. We're in the middle of the year now. And time for another picture round. We uh, did another major series in the summer. And here's the picture. What was the book? Be more precise. Two Timothys. There's two. There are two, and they're moths with ties. I didn't draw this. I, I apologise for the art. But there's two Timothy. We looked at the book or the letter of two Timothy, and in the middle there is a calm bat. Apparently, I'm told by the guy who drew this. This is a calm bat. It's a book about spiritual warfare, about combat in the church. It's just as well we don't put these on the front of the notice board outside the church. <laughs> this is what hopefully we had up there instead. This is the official poster for the series. And it uh, made me think of 2012 for some reason. Uh, made me think of sport. I love doing relay. It's the hardest thing to do. But it's, if you get it right, it, it feels... Hard to believe I was an athlete once. Um, don't think too long on that one. <laughs> if you get the relay right, it is like no other um, track event, in my view. And it's all about passing the message on, passing on the gospel. It's about Paul is now, he sees his ministry is coming to an end. He's in prison in Rome. He knows his time is almost over. And he is very keen that Timothy continues the work that he started in in the Roman Empire, and the gospel continues to spread. So he's, he's giving advice to Timothy. And again, these books are incredibly um, valuable for us to apply to our lives. And one of the things that came up very strongly from this book, from studying it, hearing it preached on, was the need to deliver the message, the gospel, correctly. Um, 
And it made me very keen to pray for Christian leaders in churches. It is so important that they do this correctly, that they are approved workmen and women of God. They love him and they love his word. And they are able, therefore, to deal with uh, opposition to the word and error in some people's use of the word. So a very practical manual, as it said, in, or, or showed on the image. So New Testament in summer to Timothy. Again, we didn't just do one thing. We did a series uh, about Jesus and four people he met. And here's an opportunity for a missing vows round. Are you ready? When you've got them all? There's only one screen this time, not two. Let's see if we can get this to go. There we go. Anyone got them? Would you like to have a go? Would you like to have a go? Yeah. We got some sweets. <laughs> right, I, I was. Uh, you probably guessed by now. I watch um, Only Connect quite a lot. <laughs> Usually they have A in brackets, don't they? They have A in brackets. A religious man, a demon possessed man, a very rich man, and an extravagant woman. These were four studies in people meeting Jesus and if you meet Jesus it changes everything and how it changed everything for them. So a really good summer series on, on that and it is important, the Bible is not just about knowledge, it's about change, it's about relationships, relationships that change you, putting you in your correct position with your creator, with your saviour. And so four studies and four reactions to Jesus, you can't, well you can try and ignore him but you cannot really and these people couldn't ignore him and the challenges that he gave when he met them. So that was the summer. We're going to move on to the autumn and winter after prayers. The reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. You can find that on page 966 in the church Bibles. When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. This is the word of the Lord.
Before we uh, look into this, I just realised this is an all-age service, and Pat did win the first round of the Missing Vowels, so I think he deserves some sweets as well. Don't know if he's got it. Knows it's coming. Don't eat them yet, but you, you won the first round. I always um, feel slightly guilty when I give someone a passage to read. It takes them longer to get to the front than to read it. <laughs> but it is actually appropriate because um, the wise men travelled at least 500 miles to get to Jesus, and I'm not sure how long they stayed. So maybe it's symbolic that Jonathan had to walk so far to read so little. But uh, this is where we uh, get to the, towards the end of the year, but I think it's uh, time we should pray. Let's pray together before we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule, your spirit our guide, and your supreme glory our concern. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So the last big, this book was so big that we haven't finished. It's planned not to be finished yet, but we made a start on this book. Hopefully, have I got it switched on? No, I haven't. There we go. And this book is, come on. Exodus. Exodus. Right. What is, Exodus is actually um, from the Greek. It's not the original name of this second book in the Bible. The original Hebrew name of the book is not quite as catchy. It's called These Are the Names of, which is the first section of the first verse. But this is the, um, this is the Greek name, Exodus, and it means um, exit or way out. Incredible book. All the books of the Bible are incredible. This is quite incredible as well. It's all about God's promised people. God has promised Abraham descendants, innumerable descendants, and he's promised them a place, a land, a promised land. In Exodus, they are a promised people of large number, but they are not in the promised land. And so God calls Moses, another deliverer in the Old Testament, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go and the promised land to be populated by the promised people. And this is this is an amazingly um, deep and lots of messages um, to be learnt from this book. Here's the official poster. So we've just about got to the end of the first section, freed from slavery. When the Israelites went to Egypt, they went at Joseph's invitation effectively, and they were privileged people, a small number of privileged people when they went to stay with Joseph, he of the coat of many colours. But as the people grew in number and the pharaohs came and went, things changed. And they changed from privileged guests to slaves. They were taken into forced labor and they lived in servitude under later pharaohs. We've looked at how the plagues had come. Moses was sent as the messenger to tell pharaohs to let them go. We saw how the plagues were visited on Egypt and we saw, in effect, the 11th plague, the crossing of the Red Sea, just a few weeks ago as we finished this half of the series. So next term, or well, we are sort of in next term already, we'll be doing the second part of the book, which is about having been freed from the slavery in Egypt, they will be freed to worship God in the ways that he intends. So again, this is an incredibly useful book to learn from. Um, probably the, 
the biggest message to take away from Exodus so far is that you have been delivered as a Christian, delivered from slavery, not Pharaoh's slavery, but the slavery of sin. Other things that I found useful looking at this book is Moses didn't have to do it. He was a privileged member of the Egyptian court. He didn't have to separate from that and identify with his people. He could have kept quiet. How easy it is for us to keep quiet about our beliefs and who we really belong to. He, by various means, sometimes not of his own choosing, he was forced to identify with God's people and become their leader, their deliverer out of Egypt. And already we're seeing the uh, Israelites in tight corners. Often when they obey God, they even get stuck in tight corners, which they can't see a way out of, which reminds them and us that they are saved, not by their own efforts, but by God's grace. And the aim, as we look forward into the next part, is they need to fear the Lord, trust his promises, and sing his praises. So all this to come in the next few months. So today I chose um, a short reading, partly because of the time of year, but also it actually links to what we're in the middle of. We're in the middle of Exodus. So we're looking at two Matthew. Christmas is over. Uh, we've, uh, Twixmas is over as well. You didn't notice that, did you? Twixmas has gone. And we're looking forward to the new year. And over the Christmas period, if you've been here at Emmanuel, you've been celebrating um, Christ the King. I've just given away the, uh, the next slide. Ah, oh, I'm being too clever. Sometimes you can make things hard on yourself. Here is um, here's the picture. I'm sure you want to see the picture puzzle for the book we had read from today. I really like this one. I think the colour's pretty groovy. The colours are groovy as well. So what's the book? How do you know it's Matthew? Great, there's a mat and a you. Can you see the mat? Yeah. Oh, well, don't worry, that's the last one. <laughs> and what's above the Matthew? A king. It's a, Matthew, one of the major themes of Matthew, we're not obviously, we've touched on Matthew this 2022 past year, and we're looking at it now. Major theme of Matthew is um, Jesus the king. Matthew is very keen on linking Old Testament prophets with Jesus and his kingship and the promised Messiah. So, if you have your Bibles open on page 966, it's only a short passage, and Jonathan very correctly put, rather than they, he put Magi. Look at the, uh, the three verses, not hard work, it's the start of term. Sorry, I'm still in teacher mode, I can't believe it. Um, how many kings are there, either mentioned or inferred from the passage? Have a look. How many kings either mentioned or inferred? Three. I got three, I've got two. I think it's an impossible question. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're my type of student. <laughs> Would you like to explain why it's impossible? Because we've got Yeah. Yeah. At the I like it, I like it. How many people love singing We Three Kings? <laughs> Firstly, they're magi, which is, quite, which is quite frightening actually because we get the word magician from magi. These are probably astrologers, magicians. 
and they're worshipping the king. That's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say that there's a sort of, um, there's a ban on certain people coming to Jesus. So you're right, we don't, we don't know how many kings there were. Why do we tend to think three kings? Three gifts. Three gifts. Did nobody give you more than one gift this Christmas? We, we don't know how many, the, how many major they were, and they weren't kings. But I still think you can answer the question. Two. Two. So we should be seeing we, well, not we two kings, because there's one king there, and the other one is in Jerusalem, not in Bethlehem. Herod. Interestingly, it should be we two kings. We have King Jesus, the Messiah, God's appointed, he is the king of all kings. And we have King Herod. Who appointed him? Well, it was actually, I think, partly himself, but also he was given the post under Roman uh, authority. So he, he is a king as well. And do you often uh, think Herod was a bit of a bad man and a madman? Yeah? Bad man? Madman? He's actually behaved... He behaved he behaved in the way that kings behaved in those days because he saw himself as having a rival. Herod was hostile to the king because he had a rival. And it's the same for us. If we, if we acknowledge that Jesus is king, that means that we're not king. And how we like to be kings of our own lives, or queens, so I have to be politically correct here, we like to rule our own lives. If we acknowledge that Jesus exists, he is king, then that means we're not. Hence, Herod's hostility. And in a way, we can identify with that. Do we really want Jesus to be king of our lives? I, um, I once saw an amazing piece of advertising for a mobile phone, which I'm a great, not a great fan of mobile phones, but the iPhone came out with a special stand for the phone, and it was called the iThrone. It actually looked like a throne, you put your phone on there. And who sits on your throne? Is it Jesus or is it, is it I? I sit on the throne. This is, this is very much a thing that I think we need to be aware of. We, sort of, we, we wonder at the worship of the wise men, but we often quickly pass over Herod because he was a madman, he did bad things, but I think sometimes we, we forget about the lesson that Herod is to us, that he knew there was a king, who was a rival to his throne, and he was hostile. His reaction to that was hostility because he didn't want to give up his throne. I think the same can be true of us as well. We want to sort of keep, if not our whole throne, we'll keep a bit of it, please. You know, we'll sort of let you sit in those areas of, the, of my life, but not in the totality of my life. Now, the other reason I, I chose this passage today was its reference. It, was a reference. Remember I said Matthew is really keen on using Old Testament prophets to, uh, to identify Jesus as king. He quotes out of Egypt at the end of the passage. Out of Egypt, he said, um, so, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Which Old Testament prophet? Hosea. Hosea. Somebody deserves a chocolate for that. I don't know if they want to claim it. There you go. That's Hosea. Hosea 11.1. 1. Hosea, in that book, we haven't got time for it now, but in his book, in that chapter, he remembers how God, through Moses, called Israel out of Egypt. And he sees in that 
Old Testament book, the pattern being done again through Jesus. Jesus is doing a similar thing, but at a deeper level. Matthew sees that um, Exodus is being repeated and fulfilled in a better way. Jesus was like Moses, but a better, a complete deliverer. But also, Jesus is like Israel. Israel was God's um, first, first son, and Jesus is God's son. Israel was a wayward son, but Jesus was an obedient and beloved son. So in, in Hosea, we see the prophecy of Jesus coming, and Jesus fulfills that in the New Testament. When I was um, looking at Hosea and Matthew and thinking how they fit together, I was reminded of a thing I very rarely do, but some people do this at Twixmas. Don't know if you can see that. That is, I did that, jigsaw, not the painting. The painting is by Van Eyck. I love Van Eyck, but that's another story. That is a massive jigsaw. Do you like jigsaws? Yeah. I actually haven't done one for years. I did one of the, this, this one this year, and the Bible has sometimes been compared to two jigsaws. The Old Testament is one jigsaw and the New Testament is another. And if we look at the Old Testament, we can see the messages of the Old Testament like looking at the top of a jigsaw. And imagine that jigsaw is two-sided and you can look at it on a glass table. We see Hosea on the top and his prophecies and underneath we see Matthew 2 and that prophecy being fulfilled. And both pictures are understandable, they make sense, but together they show God's plan. So, let's conclude. 2022 is over. It's been a bit of a year. I think that's fair to say, understatement of the year. A bit of a year. I don't know what to say about 2023. I think best I say nothing yet. But um, something interesting happened in Parliament um, at the end of the parliamentary sitting in December. Now, this definitely deserves a chocolate if you know who this is. Labour MP. Can I have a chocolate? <laughs> this, is, um, this is a dame. This is Dame Angela Eagle. And she stood up at the end of um, the sitting in December and she decided to use the 12 days of Christmas to make a political point about what a year it's been. Now, I don't want to repeat that because her, her use was political. I want to adapt it slightly and use it for something um, spiritual. So what did we have last year in politics and in Britain? Here we go. It's not the whole 12 days. We had five education secretaries, four chancellors of the Exchequer. I can't remember the five education secretaries. I can remember the chancellors, three heads of government, two heads of state. But this is from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We have only one king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. So my question to you is, will you worship and follow the one true king this year? How much of your throne will you give him? Will you cling to him, whatever happens? I have no idea what this year is bringing us, 
but when you cling to him, everything seems to change. The, the cliche is the only constant is change, but that's not true. We have a constant that is the Lord. Are we going to worship him? Are we going to follow him? Are we going to trust him? Are we going to give him our throne? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new year that stretches ahead of us. We do pray that you would strengthen us and guide us um, through it, that we would hold to you through all the changes that we may experience in the coming days, and that we would acknowledge you as our Lord in everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before I let Colin go, here's something to ponder. What was significant last year at 11 minutes past 10 on the 22nd of November? In the, at 11 minutes past 10 in the evening. Ask me in the lounge later.